welcome to the Ask Easel podcast, where leading experts take us through important topics in liver disease from a patient perspective. On this podcast today, we're in conversation with Dr. Massimo Iavaroni on the topic of liver cancer. Can I uh, ask you please to introduce yourself for the audience? Yes, of course. I'm Massimo Iavaroni. I'm working as an hepatologist in Milan, Italy, and uh, generally on uh, liver cancer and the cirrhosis from uh, screening, diagnosis, and uh, management of treatments for patients with uh, liver cancer. Thank you very much. Um, so talking of liver cancer, doctor, can you explain, Massimo, maybe the different types of liver cancer that there are uh, and maybe explain a little bit about each of them? Yes, of course. Uh, most cases of liver cancer are hepatocellular carcinoma, which means the cancer developing from the hepatocellular cells and this means that uh, there is a second kind of uh, primary cancer, which is called cholangiocarcinoma, which is uh, less frequently observed in patients, even if in last uh, 10 or 20 years there is a, an increase of number of diagnosis of cholangiocarcinoma 2. And generally, these tumors develop in patients with chronic liver disease, as we may, we may pass afterwards. And this means that generally we have a risk factors to be checked and to identify patients at risk of developed these cancers. Perfect. Thank you very much. Why does uh, liver cancer develop and uh, to what extent does the development of cancer depend on a patient's everyday lifestyle habits? Okay, thank you for this question. It's very important because uh, if we are able to identify the risk factors, we may reduce the risk of uh, uh, hepatocellular carcinoma to develop in our patients. The almost all patients who develop uh, primary liver cancer are patients with liver cirrhosis or at least chronic liver disease, we can prevent the risk of ACC, hepatocellular carcinoma, we can say ACC, uh, to, be de to develop in our patients, reducing the risk of developing liver cirrhosis. In that way, we can consider the main risk factors to uh, develop a cirrhosis. The first of all, at least in Europe, is uh, uh, hepatitis C, hepatitis B, and alcohol. As you can uh, understand, the third of these three risk factors is the most easily to be prevent, reducing the, um, the use of alcohol and this is very important because uh, this is a point for education in our patients and even before to the general population to reduce the risk of uh, uh, chronic disease by reducing the use of alcohol. As far as for hepatitis B, we have the vaccination, which was one of the first examples of uh, uh, vaccine to reduce the risk of uh, 
cancer. And even in those patients who has uh, inf get infected by um, hepatitis B, we have a therapy with antiviral drugs that can in some way reduce, not to zero, but at least reduce the risk of uh, cirrhosis and obviously of cancer development. As far as for hepatitis C, this is a very key point because in the last five years, the new drugs that has been developed uh, permitted to significantly reduce the risk of HCC to develop and cirrhosis to uh, get worsen by uh, eliminating the uh, virus in the blood of our patients. And this was a very important turning point. As far as for US and at least even in Europe, a fourth risk of ACC to develop is NEFOLD and NASH, which means a liver disease due to metabolic syndrome, which can develop in patients with uh, arterial hypertension, diabetes, and obesity. This is very important because as for alcohol, even for NEFOLD and NASH and for the metabolic syndrome, we can reduce the risk of ACC to develop by reducing the overweight of our population and, to, uh, and we, we can educate even in this point people to reduce this risk by a better quality of their food and reducing the, the quantity and reducing the calories of their intake together with a healthy uh, and behavior with the sports. So Massimo, aside from the other reasons you've just explained that cancer develops, are there any other risk factors for liver cancer? Yes, sure. It's uh, very important to know that there are other uh, risk factors for liver cancer to develop, uh, which are more rare disease like autoimmune hepatitis, uh, primary biliary cholangitis, or eventually some genetic disease like uh, hemochromatosis and Wilson disease. And as we can say, all the reason that can put the risk to develop cirrhosis should be considered risk factors for ACC to develop, since the, the cirrhosis is the background for liver cancer to develop. So uh, the next topic I think the audience will be interested in, doctor, is screening. Um, so do you screen for liver cancers? And if so, how is the screening done? How often is it done? And why is it really important for patients to attend their screening appointments? Thank you for this question, because it's uh, quite different from uh, the, the meaning of a screening for uh, other cancers, uh, as for breast cancer or uh, for the, the colon cancer, because since we know that almost 98% of our hepatocellular carcinoma are going to develop in, in patients with cirrhosis or at least with chronic liver disease, 
we have a selected population to be screened and to be surveilled for ACC to develop. So we should point out that the screening and, well, it's better to call surveillance for these patients is quite expensive and less easily to be done compared to other screening features in other tumors, but the population is smaller and well-selected because we do not have a, a real uh, simple test or blood test to be done, but we need to have abdominal ultrasound twice a year in all our patients. So this means that our patients have to get an appointment to a doctor and to have their abdomen studied by ultrasound. This generally takes half an hour to be done. And this is very important because this kind of methodology is linked to the uh, experience of the doctor who does the screening. This is very important because it's not so easy screening to be done. However, as we said, you have a selected population to be screened on with it. This is very easy for chronic hepatitis B. This is very easy for cirrhosis of any cause like hepatitis C, hepatitis B, alcoholic or uh, metabolic syndrome. It's quite difficult to get this screening for patients with the NAFLD not developing cirrhosis for those patients who has no cirrhosis but has uh, the risk of liver cancer to develop due to diabetes and uh, overweight or obesity because it's a large and huge number of patients and sometimes ultrasound has a limited in terms of sensitivity on these patients. But however, why we should do uh, screening and uh, surveillance in our population? Because as far as we know, this is the best way to identify tumor, one to three or four lesions at, uh, at least with smaller than three centimeters. And this means that they can get the best opportunity in terms of uh, uh, treatment and this is the way to have the best survival for our patients. Thank you. That's excellent. Thank you very much. So, Massimo, if you do find signs of liver cancer when you perform your ultrasound screening, um, is that cancer treatable? Uh, what are the different treatment options? And, and is maybe liver transplant considered a successful option as well? Okay, yes. The, the reason why we do this uh, screening uh, uh, by ultrasound is because we have a treatment for patients and we do have uh, some treatments that uh, as early as the patient gets, the better is the uh, sur survival for them. And uh, we have a surgery, we can have a resection of the liver if the tumor is small. Otherwise, we can have uh, uh, radiofrequency ablation, local original treatment like uh, ablation of the tumor, 
by percutaneous approach or eventually by laparoscopy. And this is the, the three options we have for patients with small liver cancer. If we have the, the, the size of the tumor get greater, we have limited option, eventually surgery, or probably a new treatment which has not been perfectly shown to be efficacious as the other option is radioembolization. For those patients who has more than three or four nodules and eventually bigger than three centimeters, we can have a sort of palliation by means of local original treatment by uh, chemioembolization, which means to uh, put some chemotherapy in the nodule by uh, arteriography, by vascular treatment, and eventually for those patients with a more advanced disease, now we have a different choice in terms of systemic treatment. It's something like chemotherapy, but it's quite different because the classical chemotherapy was not able to cure our patients due to uh, toxicity because for each of these treatment we should never forget that our patients has cirrhosis underlying liver cancer so this means that we have two diseases the liver cancer to be treated and the underlying cirrhosis that can limit our actions in terms of efficacy, since if we have a small liver tumor developing in a patient with a decompensated cirrhosis, the risk of dying of cirrhosis is higher compared to the risk of dying for the small tumor. This means that we have to choose wisely the best option for our patients. And for this reason, the role of liver transplantation is crucial since this is the only treatment that can cure both liver cancer and liver cirrhosis. Thank you, Massimo. That's uh, really clear. Thank you very much. So uh, people talk about the stage of a cancer, but uh, what does staging a cancer actually mean and specifically with respect to liver cancer? This is another point which shows that uh, primary liver cancer is different from the other uh, tumors. The way we, we have to stage the, our patients is linked to two points. The first point is liver cirrhosis. So we should consider a staging system that take into consideration the disease meant as uh, cirrhosis. The same staging system should consider the tumor burden, that means the size, the number of the tumor, and eventually the vascular invasion on the metastasis outside the liver. And third, the staging system should also consider the general condition of the patients. That generally is very important 
The mean age for our patients to develop liver cancer is around 65. And now in Italy, in France, and even in Japan, the age is getting older and older. This means that the general condition of the patient is very important to be evaluated too. For these reasons, the best way to stage the disease for me, for the ESL guidelines and for the American guidelines is the BCLC system, which is a system developed in Barcelona more than 20 years ago, which take into consideration the size and the number of the tumor, first point, the underlying liver cirrhosis, and third, the performance status, which take into account the general condition, the symptoms of our patients. This means that by staging our patient with this system, the BCLC system, we are able to consider all the characteristics of our patients by cirrhosis degree, the degree of liver cancer, and the general condition. And for each stage we have identified, we have the best option to propose in terms of treatment and, of course, of survival. For example, if I have a small tumor of three centimeters developing in a patient with, with a well-compensated cirrhosis and in a, in a good general condition, this patient can get, for example, surgery. If the same tumor develop in a patient with a decompensated cirrhosis, probably liver transplantation should be the first option to be offered to this patient. And finally, if we have a patient with a three centimeters or two centimeters tumor, a, a decompensated disease in a patient with a symptomatic, with a pain, in the abdomen and eventually with uh, uh, pruritus, ictus, uh, or uh, other disease, uh, other comorbidities, probably this patient need uh, the best supportive care for to get the best quality of life without any active treatment. So Massimo, just for to be clear, um, can you have a liver transplant if you have liver cancer? Uh, and if so, under what specific circumstances? Yes, and I'm very happy to explain this point because uh, I'm from Milan and uh, in Milan uh, the, there was a study, very important study by Vincenzo Mazzaferro in late 90s that shown that liver transplant can be performed in patients with liver cancer. In uh, uh, patients with uh, a single lesion lesser than five centimeters or those patients with, a, with a three lesions, the biggest less than three centimeters, these are the best candidate for liver transplant. Almost 80% in five years will be alive. This was a dramatic point in the management of our patients because we can have the perfect selection of patients and why we should have a perfect selection for this treatment. Because 
this kind of treatment is completely different from any other treatment option because there is a limited number of liver transplant we can get each year. And so we have to select the patient that can benefit most of this kind of treatment. And we should also consider that the main reason to be transplanted is liver decompensation, because those patients with liver decompensation are those patients at the risk of dying in few months if they do not get liver transplant. This means that we should compare the benefit we can get in a patient still compensated but with liver cancer compared to those patients with a decompensated liver disease without liver cancer. So it's a competitive risk and we should perfectly choose those patients who can really benefit of it. What does decompensation mean? Those patients with liver cirrhosis and without liver cancer can get other complication of their chronic liver disease as ascites, that means the presence of liquid in their abdomen. Otherwise, they can have very high level of bilirubin, 10 or 20 times the, liver, the normal level, or eventually they can get kidney disease, which is due to the liver disease, which is called uh, hepatorenal syndrome, eventually they can have the rupture of some veins that can develop in their esophagus and in their stomach, which, is which are called varices. And if they or the rupture of them are at risk, the patient who has the rupture of the varices are at risk of dying. And these are all complications of cirrhosis called portal hypertension complication, which, is in para, which are in parallel with liver cancer development, are the two main complications category of complication of liver uh, cirrhosis. This means that we have two patients, the first with a, a lesion of five centimeters in a well-compensated disease, and the second one is a patient with without liver cancer, but with a decompensated cirrhosis, for example, with ascites and with uh, varices and with the need of a lot of drugs to control the disease. Who is the best candidate for liver uh, transplantation? Probably both, but the first one, the patient with liver cancer, can be treated in the wait for liver transplantation with, as we call with bridge treatment, like as I said before, chemoembolization eventually by uh, radiofrequency ablation. And so he can wait to be transplanted. And the, the second one should be transplanted as soon as possible because he's at risk of dying in the next three or six months. 
we have a way to measure the risk by means of the, the so-called MELD score, which is a score that we doctors use to understand the risk of dying in the next three or, or six months by means of measure bilirubin, uh, protrombin time, and uh, creatinine in order to understand who is the first patient who needs to be transplanted. And the reason why we consider for transplantation patients who can be perfectly cured of their nodule by means of surgery, by means of chemoembolization, or eventually radiofrequency ablation, are at high risk of recurrence of liver cancer for two reasons. The first one is that cancer cells can still there and then they can develop a recurrence of the tumor. And generally, this recurrence is very early to occur in the 12 or 24 months after the treatment. Or eventually, we have cirrhosis again. This is per se a risk of liver cancer recurrence in our patients. This is why transplantation is potentially a benefit for these patients. If we think of a longer time, not the six months for patients with the compensation, but if we think of five years of life. Thank you, Massimo. And our, our last question for today um, is about clinical trials. So are there any clinical trials specifically looking at liver cancer and if so, how do patients go about finding out about them? Okay, in the last years, in the last 10, 13 years, there have been a lot of clinical trials with new drugs to treat patients with advanced liver cancer. The first drug was available for our patient in 2007, and it was sorafenib. Then there were a lot of negative trials with new drugs to uh, treat patients with uh, advanced liver cancer. Then we, in the last years, we developed new drugs by clinical trials. And finally, in the, today, we have a lot of trials with combination of different drugs to treat patients in first line with advanced liver disease. This means patients with the tumor in the liver, but also outside the liver, who need systemic treatment to be treated, who can not only get local regional treatment to have a benefit in terms of survival. And these clinical trials are generally sponsored by uh, the company who develop drugs. And generally in big areas, we have... Uh, big hospital, university hospital or big hospital that have the trial available for our patients. Generally, uh, you can get information by the website of the hospitals. Sometimes you have information on the website of the patient's association about uh, clinical trials uh, ongoing in, uh, in the region. Or eventually, we have also some clinical trial that has been uh, proposed by doctors and it is uh, 
not sponsored by uh, companies and generally for this kind of uh, trials you can get information also in the website of the uh, scientific association eventually the regional or national association or eventually uh, international association we can also have another way to get information but it, it's quite difficult for patients but there is a, a website uh, of the clinical trial uh, point uh, uh, gov you can get information uh, writing uh, liver cancer primary liver cancer or hepatocellular carcinoma mainly these uh, trials are focused or on patients with more advanced liver tumor. However, in the last few years, we have also trials in early stages of the disease because a way to reduce the risk of liver cancer to recur in our patients it is to develop drugs that can reduce this risk from the first treatment to the second one to prolong, if not to uh, put a zero, the risk of liver cancer to recur in our patient after a successful first-line treatment. And uh, so with that, Dr. Yavoroni, I just on behalf of Easel would like to thank you for the insights and expertise that you've shared with us today. Uh, thank you very much. It was a pleasure to me to to answer to all these questions. It was really very important for, for me and for the community. Music